0: to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I'm here with my co-host.
1: I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker, comedian, bookender. Ooh. Yeah, because we're bookending this season right now.
0: We are indeed. We have uh, spent a whole season talking about the films of 1967, the furthest back in film history
1: we've yet to look. Yeah, you you have been pushing us. You say, we got to go back further and further. And I said... Okay. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm like Jack on Lost. We have to go back. Yeah, so, yeah you are. So. Um, I think we had a lot
0: of fun talking about this year in film. We had a lot of interesting varied choices and really we're looking at the way that this was a transitional year for cinema. But of course, as always, there's tons and tons of movies that we didn't talk about. And so in this epilogue, as we typically do, we're going to take a look at our different categories, what other options we might have had. And some suggestions from you, our listeners, who, if you listen to our audience choice episode, uh, Jason hates.
1: I love you guys. I've calmed <laughs> down. I've talked to my therapist since then, and I might have gone a little too far. Oh,
0: that's uh, it's passion is what we like here. So we started off with the box office champion of 1967, which was The Graduate. And uh, some of the other top grossing films of 1967 Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Sidney Poitier, of course, a huge, huge star in 1967, quite a year for him. Bonnie and Clyde, a major turning point film in cinema, Uh, The Dirty Dozen, Valley of the Dolls, huge Mm. hit in 1967, Uh, To Sir with Love, another Sidney Poitier film, and uh, the the sort of uh, more typical blockbuster kind of film, You Only Live Twice,
1: the James Bond film with Sean Connery, which uh, may still come up spoiler alert we did it as an extra episode for the patreon so you can hear it on dave's
2: patreon what is that the produced by david Rosen patreon coming next week yeah Yeah. and
1: uh also it eventually will end up in the feed here yeah we will but that's our our little
0: bonus as we've been doing uh each season so for the the patrons if you've signed up for that you can hear our Thoughts on James Bond and You Only Live Twice. You
1: only live twice. I don't even know what that was. Unfortunately, you can hear Jason (laughs) sing that again. Did you have a favorite in that list that we didn't cover? No,
0: you know, some of, I've never seen The Dirty Dozen or Valley of the... I've seen Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Because Ebert wrote that one? Because yeah. Ebert wrote it, the sequel, which is crazy. It's my happening and it's freaking me out. Yeah, oh. Josh did an impression. Amazing. So, um, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and I haven't seen To Serve With Love or anything, or Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, in fact. So I, it's hard for me to, to, to pick a favorite, actually, of those. Uh, the only one I've seen is Bonnie and Clyde, which which is, of course, great. Masterpiece. Yeah. Guess Who's
1: Coming to Dinner, I've seen, uh, and you should watch that. Yeah. And I'll watch To Sir Would Love With You one day. So I've never seen that, but uh, yeah. That also has a a famous song by Lulu. Yeah, I could try to approximate that, but I'm not Yeah, we probably shouldn't. Let's Let's move move on. on. Let's move on, Josh. Maybe the toughest category to pick, even though we kind of knew who we were going to pick, this one had a lot of great choices. First feature, and it's pretty cool that so many directors had their first feature in 1967 we went with who's that knocking at my door um not to be confused with the awful paul mccartney's to the song someone knocking at my door go on let them in right uh we liked who's that knocking at my door um and i think we really liked how it showed just how many themes martin scorsese would continue to play with throughout his storied career the producers was on that list which we did cover dave's pick uh, later one we were going to do another comedy enter laughing i've never seen carl reiner but i think carl reiner is a little underrated for um everything he did in the entertainment field you don't necessarily think of him as a director even though he did the jerk and everything you think of him as more of like a omnipresence in comedy right to do everything uh good times william friedkin i've never seen that have you no no a lot of these i think were these famous directors where their first films were ones that were not all that well known. Yeah. So we have poor cow, which I thought was, and it might've been like a 66 release in 67. That's Ken Loach. And the reason I knew that movie, and I think you knew that movie is because the limey Steven Soderbergh's movie takes footage from poor cow and kind of, moves it into the limey and kind of tells that story. You know, I didn't realize that. I mean, I know Ken Loach, and I think
0: I've seen one or two other Ken Loach films, but I had not recalled that about the lime. I'm
1: pretty sure that's the case, unless there's a movie called Brown Cow that I just confused it with. All right. Uh, but I'm almost positive that's what happened. Great. Mark Rydell had a good career. We were going to look at the Fox. And then Melvin Van Peebles, uh, who we should cover at some point in time, is important, especially as a black exploitation director his first uh, movie the story of a three-day pass and that movie actually
0: just recently has gotten a major restoration and a theatrical release again so it's 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 been revived and has gotten renewed attention is that uh, did they put it on criterion recently I don't believe it is it may be eventually uh criterion is releasing a box set a physical box set of uh Melvin Van Peebles first four films which will include that and a lot of times that stuff eventually ends up on the streaming service but I don't think it's there yet so hmm. turns out
2: Jason's right about the limey by the way oh, yeah, yeah i I'm I, the man. I
0: just didn't remember that about it. i mean i've seen the limey but um that's that's pretty cool and well i'm here to educate you. speaks to Soderbergh's you know deep knowledge of uh of film history
1: yeah the um just to that terrence stamp character is that character in The Limey.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. So yeah, and you brought up Mark Rydell and not only had I not heard of The Fox, I had never heard of Mark Rydell. There you go. So uh, shows my lack <laughs> he of didn't, knowledge. He didn't win. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. Didn't he do on Golden Pond? Yeah, no, I mean, I think he had, he, I just looked him up before this and he had made a much, a bunch of notable films. But none that I've seen and and his name just I think he made films and maybe he wasn't as known as an auteur, but just had yeah. someone who works that. If I'm
1: not mistaken, he might have also been a major theater presence in the 60s in that New York scene. So yeah. it's tough to sometimes quantify how much of an influence people had in the overall field of entertainment. That is true. But we try.
0: Uh, so our box office flop was, I think, fascinating in a film that uh, Jason brought to our attention that I had missed out oh, on you. initially it was uh, Charlie Chaplin's final film account from Hong Kong with uh, Marlon Brando and Sophia Loren and uh, only a couple other options that we talked about uh, Dr. Doolittle which was actually weirdly an Oscar nominee but is one of these giant expensive productions that didn't really make its money and uh, Elvis Presley in Clambake
1: yeah that would have been interesting Clambake I don't really necessarily need to ever see dr Doolittle unless i'm like i have to watch all the rest of the best picture numbs but clambake would be interesting because it's you know that elvis and frankie and annette stuff of the 60s that beach blanket bingo party uh blue hawaii stuff so i don't know if i would want to start there not knowing that much about that genre but like it would be that wouldn't i think would have been worthy to cover although countess of hong kong uh yeah, what a what a misguided effort all the way around. Yeah, but but a fascinating one. So, um yeah, and I think I mean
0: Elvis made so many movies and was such a massive pop culture presence that that's definitely something we might want to look at at some point. Um I'm sure clam bake isn't very good though. Well,
1: we can pick a different one. Yeah. The Palme d'Or winner was Blow Up uh Michelangelo Antonioni and uh what it did was Confuse all of us. <laughs> that it did. We watched it and said, "When is something going to happen?" And do you know when it happened? Never. Maybe no. never. Occasionally, <laughs> yeah. a little bit. A little but, bit. Yeah. Uh, it is regarded as one of the great films of all time, even if it wasn't for us. Why don't you tell us what else was up in can that year?
0: You know? Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, weirdly, like as much as we were uh baffled by Blow Up, it was by far the most well-known film and. In- can so i i noted down some other stuff but honestly i never heard of any of these um but in terms of like sort of known directors uh joseph luzi directed a harold pinter adaptation called accident i know jason you know some pinter stuff i right? do
1: like harold pinter uh yes quite a bit uh, excellent playwright and uh, i've gotten to act in some of his stuff not not in the pinter level but uh <laughs> you know in college and everything yeah and,
0: are uh, you familiar with that play accident
1: I am not. All right. Well, that was a film. He's an awesome writer, Harold Pinter.
0: Yeah. Uh, Robert Bresson, who's a major French filmmaker, had a film called Mouchette. There was an adaptation of James Joyce's Ulysses, directed by Joseph Strick, who I'm not familiar with. Wow.
1: How do you even adapt Ulysses? I think probably very loosely. Yeah. Um, A Francis Ford Coppola film that I've never heard of called You're a Big Boy Now. That's his first movie that he ever directed based on a script that he wrote, which is an adaptation from a novel. But- That is an important movie because at this point in time, the old, as we talked about, the old studio guard was there and guys like Coppola were not getting through. He's one of the, he was the first film school brat, so to speak, to make a movie. And like, that's why he was so revered by Lucas Spielberg, all these guys like that, that I've never seen it, but it's a, it's an important movie we should watch. Yeah. I never heard of it, but that's a, that's a whole interesting background there. And uh, the
0: Best Director Award went to a Hungarian filmmaker whose name I will mispronounce, uh, Ferenc Koza, for a film called 10,000 Days. So I think we were lucky to
1: end up with Blow Up. I don't know. I do like 10,000 Maniacs with Natalie Merchant. Probably not the same thing. Oh, okay. Josh, we did documentaries. We really only had two choices, I feel like. Don't Look Back, which was the right choice, I think. We had to do Pennebaker. Um, and I think it's very important that we once again mention, like in this year of moving cinema forward, how much he helped move cinema forward. Not just with this verite fly on the wall look, but also with the equipment that he created and the mazels and you know all of them created with giving them the access to shoot on the run and in the moment and be that fly on the wall. Um, I like Don't Look Back. I had never seen it. I'm a big music documentary fan. I know you're not, but I think. You definitely saw the worth in us watching that.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I did like it. I didn't I didn't love it. And as we've now talked about multiple times, I'm just kind of music documentaries don't really do much for me. But I think you're absolutely right with how influential and important that film is. And there's a lot in it that I found entertaining.
1: Good, good. Um, the other one was Titicut Follies, and I have heard of it, but I don't know much about it. I think you know more about that than I do.
0: Well, it's, it's Frederick Wiseman's first film, so we could have also yeah, had yeah. that as a debut. And he, as much as Pennebaker, is a massively influential documentary filmmaker, um, still working. So had this, an, yeah, yeah, it was a
1: huge last year. He, he had a you know a very acclaimed piece last yeah, year. Yeah,
0: City Hall, um, and he's known for these uh, verite films, you know, fly on the wall kind of things. Titicut Follies about a uh, institution for the criminally insane. And uh, the title refers to a talent show put on by the workers there. So I'm sure a fascinating film.
1: Yeah. um, That City Hall last year was, it's supposed to be amazing. It's like four and a half hours long. But um, I wonder if Titicut Follies like led to some reforms and everything because these type of films often would lead to reforms of, uh, you know, underserved, or communities that are not served the right way.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, if we had talked about it, we would have uh, looked into all of that stuff, but it's certainly uh, an influential Yeah, film. that
1: would have definitely been a good one to choose, but I'm glad we did Don't Look Back. Absolutely. That was obviously a, a, the right choice. And then
0: there. came your pick, Josh. What? Yeah, <laughs> so uh, my pick was Point Blank, and uh, do you want to do your badly Marvin you impression one more time?
1: This, uh,
0: <laughs> That's a- Lovely note to retire that impression on, um, and really, at the time we were putting this together, that was like my only thought. And actually, right before we did this season, just randomly from Netflix, I watched a 1967 film called *Wait Until Dark* with Audrey Hepburn and Alan Arkin. Um, yeah, where, where she, Alan Arkin's the the menacing bad guy, and right? he's so good as yeah. this bad guy in a kind of role that I had never seen him in. And Audrey Hepburn is this blind woman who's being menaced by these criminals, and it's a really tense thriller and after watching it i thought maybe i'll pick that instead and i'm happy that i went with point blank but uh wait until dark is great
1: good yeah uh that's i would like to see wait until dark and i'm glad we saw point blank because again the way that Borman's playing with the form and everything and also lee marvin um you know i i i just leave marvin but (laughs) josh like was there a bigger star in the 60s it was like him and portier and you know Towards the end, you know, Redford and guys like that. Yeah, he was a massive star at that point. And and I loved
0: Point Blank, as we said, even watching it the second time, I think I liked it even more. Our foreign film pick was Jean-Luc Godard's Weekend, which uh, is another one that that really
1: baffled us. But I will always remember that over four minute tracking shot of all the uh, accidents in the highway and everything like
0: that. Yeah, some amazing craftsmanship in that film, even if all the messaging kind of uh, lost us. So uh, a lot of great potential choices. Uh, Another French film, uh, Le Samurai from Jean-Pierre Melville, who was sort of a proto-New Wave director, influential on a lot of the French New Wave filmmakers. And I haven't seen that one, but I've seen a couple of his other films, a lot of crime films that he made, and he's incredibly talented. Um, We thought about The Fireman's
1: Ball from Milos Forman, which, Jason, I think you and I watched in our old film club with Tony Macklin. Yeah, I want to revisit it. We did watch that. But we, when we talked about the Czech New Wave, when we talked about Kolya 96, we kind of referenced back to this time and the humor that they found in all these serious movies and or serious themes with a lot of humor. So this was another one of those big comedy pieces with like a more serious theme.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, I think it was one of those things where there was a lot of cultural specificity that maybe we wouldn't have gotten, but I remember liking it when we saw it. Uh, we also mentioned uh, Dragon Inn from King Who which is a classic uh, Taiwanese martial arts film. I Am Curious Yellow, the uh, Swedish erotic drama, mm. which I think was known at the time maybe more for its eroticism, but is, is I think, also a, a serious film. Like Rochelle Rochelle. Kind of like, I think Rochelle Rochelle is is sort of a parody of those kinds of films. And you brought up, Jason, a film that I had never heard of, a Soviet film called Kidnapping Caucasian
1: Style. Yeah, it just seemed interesting. And we haven't gotten to Russia yet. And um, we know there's such a, bleakness in their <laughs> cinema that we have to get there eventually right
0: yeah i think so i mean that maybe was a little too obscure but i'm sure we'll get to a russian film at some
1: point so uh, then we got to your pick yeah my pick was cool hand loop and i think i picked it for two reasons one uh, I'm platonically in love with Paul Newman, but even if I was romantically in love with Paul Newman, I think that would be acceptable other than that he's dead and it wouldn't go anywhere but he's i i I keep saying it like my top line of actors he's right there, along with like Duval de Niro, there's a few others, right? but I love him he's amazing, and I will watch anything he does and I remember seeing it, and I hadn't seen it since uh the first time I watched it, so I'm glad we revisited it, and I thought it. Uh, brought up a lot of important things. So the others I was looking at: Barefoot in the Park, which we literally just talked about on our last episode. I've never seen, but Redford you always want to watch, and Neil Simon, Dirty Dozen, iconic film, and that one's that one's also passed me by, so I should watch that. The Tiger Makes Out and the Busybody. I didn't really know these movies until we started researching. The Tiger Makes Out is an Arthur Hiller movie, and he is, um, I don't know where do you place Arthur Hiller as a director? Because he's done so many comedies that did so well, but no one ever like considers him like a major figure, right?
0: Yeah, he's not really considered like an auteur. I think he's more of a, a journeyman figure you know, who was able to do uh, a lot of different things and just come in and be professional. And we talked a little bit about that with Norman Jewison when we talked about In the Heat of the Night and how many movies he'd made and how many different genres,
1: but he wasn't necessarily thought of as this great auteur. I think Jewison is considered a level above, you know, uh, much like Rob Reiner, same type of thing, Josh. But I, I, so I thought that would have been interesting. The busy body, the reason I would have chose that that's a Sid Caesar movie and Sid Caesar, so famous for your show of shows never really translated on film, his talent. And I thought it would have been interesting to see that. Although in Greece, right. I think that was like his last big part when he was the coach or something, but he's so talented. I wanted to see what this was all about. Why didn't it work? Or did it work? Maybe, I don't know. Now, Josh, you did mention one movie earlier that I, going back, I'm glad we picked Cool Hand Luke, but I would add to my list and we might have to do it at some point. Bonnie and Clyde, I literally re re-watched it last night and this morning just to make sure I uh, I was right. And I am right. That is a five-star movie. Yeah, It's a masterpiece and as important as anything to come out in this year. And it's so good. We may have a chance to revisit that one in the future. We're, intent, we're intent. figuring some things out. But do you agree that that is an amazing movie?
0: Yeah. I mean, I did not obviously watch it yesterday, so uh, my memories are a little fuzzier, but I mean, I I have seen it and it is fantastic and and certainly influential. And in terms of that theme that we keep talking about for this season of the transition into sort of new Hollywood, that's the most
2: important There's one. There is so much we'll
1: get to talk about. Have you seen that,
2: Dave? I haven't. I'd love to.
1: Yeah. So I hope we get to cover it. It's it's great. It's yeah. great. And you know, as someone who just talked about Paul Newman as an actor, right? Like I think Beatty, Hackman, Faye Dunaway, and Estelle Parsons won the Oscar for this one. Like, uh, they're all probably at their best here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm I'd, I'd be happy to revisit that.
0: So uh we talked about the Golden Lion winner at the Venice Film Festival because of course there's no Sundance in 1967, which is typically what we cover. So the Venice winner was Belle du Jour, another semi-baffling film that I think worked better for us than Blow Up or Weekend. We all enjoyed more. Like Cannes, Venice was full of a bunch of movies that I had never heard of this year. But on the more recognizable level, uh, La Chinoise by Jean-Luc Godard, uh, one of his three films in 1967, as we talked about in that weekend episode, Lucino Visconti made an adaptation of Albert Camus' *The Stranger*, another difficult to adapt yeah. novel, <laughs> but he tried. And uh, Pier Paolo Pasolini had an adaptation of *Oedipus Rex*. So those are mm. some of the in-competition films at Venice that
1: Belzjer beat out. You want a shout out to your mom? You for what Oedipus?
0: reason? Out of his, I'm like, I don't know. She, I don't think she's
1: seen any of these movies. Uh, I
0: do not. Thank you for that
1: <laughs> weird, uncomfortable opportunity, though. Okay. Well, as you remember, I did mention your mom in the Graduate episode, but um, lovely so stuff. Here. Yeah. Let's talk about the Graduate because it was a nominee for the Best Picture. We had already covered it, and uh, it did not win Best Picture. We covered it instead in The Heat of the Night, which did win Best Picture. Which. You love, and I think is a very strong film, and of course, two great performances from Sydney portier and Amanda Man. There, going like this, you know, talking like that, Josh. You like that? You like that right there? Yeah, that's Rod Steiger. Rod Steiger, right? Could yeah. also be George Kennedy. from No, now, 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 Josh, that boy talk up here like this. Rod Steiger, little low out here like this. <laughs> all right, all right. What else was up, Josh? Bonnie and Clyde. We just talked about, and that honestly is my favorite of the bunch. Um, Dr. Doolittle, none of us saw The Graduate. We talked about Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Uh, I would watch that one again. I would like to watch that again.
0: Yeah, and I think what's interesting about that list is that these are all movies that are either kind of uh, very forward-thinking stylistically or take on these serious social issues, and then you have Dr. Doolittle. So it's right. this very weird outlier there yeah. among those nominees. Let
1: me just reiterate this best actor category that Steiger won for, right? Yeah. Steiger, Warren Beatty, Dustin Hoffman, Paul Newman, Spencer Tracy. Put it up against any year. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, so then
0: we talk about Dave's pick, which was the producers. Did you have any other ideas there, Dave?
2: I only had one other because obviously my cinematic knowledge starts to go away as we get this far back. But uh, in the lead up to this year's wonderful Godzilla vs. Kong, uh, I watched a whole bunch of kaiju movies leading up to it. And uh, one of them from the director of the original Godzilla was King Kong Escapes, which is actually pretty... Pretty damn fun, but I'll save our King Kong discussions for either 1933 or 2005. Boom. These days. All right. Yeah,
0: I, I, I remember when you brought up that we might talk about that. I thought that would have been fun. And, as, of yeah. course, as we established, I don't really like the producers. Yeah. So I would have enjoyed talking about that King Kong movie, but we had
1: a good chat about it. Yeah, I think, I think all's fair in love and war in King Kong, Dave. That's yeah. right. Godzilla
0: versus Kong, by the way, Dave's number one film of uh 2021 thus far.
1: You bet your ass it is. Of course, it means nothing because Malcolm and Marie is his number two <laughs> film, thereby negating any of his opinions for this year. Uh let's move on to our future cult classic, Josh. We chose the trip, and I'm so glad we did. We got into Roger Corman. We had the great conversation with a uh Corman acolyte, one a member of the Corman Academy, Francisco Menendez, uh who kind of really helped us contextualize you know, what the importance of it was. And I think what we learned a little more for ourselves was Corman, not just this massive producer, but really a skilled director and an interesting film, if not a great film.
0: Right. No, I agree. And I had seen a number of Corman films that he's directed. And I think every time I'm newly impressed with that because he has this reputation of just producing all this B-movie schlock. But He was quite a talented director and I would recommend going and seeing other films that he directed in the sixties there.
1: I would like to, (laughs) and he talks very softly with pauses in between Uh, other picks. Josh, you mentioned Valley of the Dolls. We looked at that, right? Uh, president's analyst that was one you were you had brought up yeah weird uh, i haven't seen it but
0: uh film about uh the psychiatrist to the president it's got some weird political
1: satirical stuff comedy stuff right?
0: yeah with uh james coburn as the uh analyst of the president who uh, may come up again
1: yeah james coburn doing doing work yeah uh mad monster party which i think is uh one of those uh, monster movies from it's, back a, it's a
0: it's a Rankin bass animated movie actually with the monsters Whoa. featuring boris karloff uh his voice work well that's got to be just wild right yeah i think it i again i haven't seen it but it sounded wild and was that i was curious about
1: and it. i i think i had mentioned hell's angels on wheels which i'm glad we didn't do is that probably just uh like hey wild angels corman 66 this is another film like that. I think it is kind of that, like, bikers are a thing, let's make them into a movie. Yeah, so that one, uh, with the
0: Wild Angels, is the one to watch for that. Yeah, I am kind of curious to watch Mad Monster Party someday. That does sound cool. Me too. So our audience choice that Jason hated was uh, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, and that was choosing among stage-to-screen adaptations that also included Neil Simon's Barefoot in the Park with Robert Redford, And uh, The Taming of the Shrew with Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor. Other categories we looked at, James Bond had quite a year in 1967. So as we said, we did end up doing a bonus episode on the actual James Bond film, You Only Live Twice. You Only Live Twice. Which you can look for on the Patreon and unfortunately hear Jason (laughs) sing that. Uh, That was John Connery's, uh, at the time, final turn as James Bond before he ended up coming back. Kind of walking through it. Yeah, yeah. But also in 1967 was the film Casino Royale, which was uh, technically based on Ian Fleming's James Bond novel via the complicated rights to James Bond that existed then, but was made as a parody of James Bond films with a whole bunch of David Niven, the main. Bond in that film but also Peter Sellers and, and
1: Woody Allen and I actually watched it and it is terrible so you, I'm kind of glad we didn't talk about it now I'm wondering Josh do you think like with how to succeed in business you guys argued like that the satire worked and for me it just felt like totally outdated do you think this if was did this just fall out dating-wise? or It was a failure at the time. I don't think anyone liked it then, and I don't think anyone
0: likes it. I mean, it has a small cult following, but I, I think it was just a misfire from start to finish. Cool. And speaking of James Coburn, in like Flint, which was the second uh, in the series of James Bond parodies that starred James Coburn, also came out in 67. So interesting sort of lineup of Bond films. Uh, we also talked about maybe an Elvis Presley category, as we mentioned, Clambake. But he also had two other 67 films, uh, Easy Come, Easy Go, and Double Trouble, neither of which are particularly well-known or that I've seen. So maybe for Elvis, again, better to start with something else. Jailhouse Rock or
2: whatever.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Now, the one I, Yeah, the one I wanted to do was Musicians Who Act because that trend, which I guess we're really seeing again now, of, you know, we know someone's a good singer, so they must be a good actor, right? Comes to a number of films in 1967. Tony Rome with Frank Sinatra. Uh, I think Nancy Sinatra actually sang the theme song to that. In addition to singing the theme song to You Only Live Twice? Yeah, Yeah. she she was doing a lot back then. Good year for theme songs. Yeah, but Frank Sinatra we know can act, obviously. Yes. Great in uh, Ocean's Eleven and uh, Um, From Here to Eternity. Yes, absolutely. Good Times with Sonny and Cher. Cher won an Oscar for Moonstruck, directed by? Moonstruck, directed by Norman Jewison. Right, so that was in the 80s. And then- One of my all-time favorite singers, I wonder, uh, I've never seen him act, but I love him. I love his voice, greatest voice in rock and roll, pure voice ever, the fastest guitar alive, Roy Orbison.
0: Yeah, and those, I mean, maybe interesting, but I think we realize that nobody's heard of any of those movies. Uh, I
1: would have liked, you know, like this kind of trend of like Westerns, with singers, you know, didn't Bob Dylan do some, or was, they were all offered movies like this, Yeah, right? well,
0: Bob Dylan is in uh Sam Peckinpah film Oh, that I can't remember the name, that we also watched with Tony Macklin in uh, in Film Club, and he has a supporting role Not in that Straw film. Dogs. No, 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 a Western. Pat Garrett
1: and no, Billy oh, the King. Oh, yeah, Pat I've never Garrett seen and Billy. Oh, so,
0: okay, yeah. I think we watched it. Maybe you weren't there. We watched no. it with Tony Macklin, was one of his favorites. Yeah,
1: that nobody knows what you're talking about. We used to have a film club. We've mentioned it here. Yeah, we've we mentioned it a bunch movies. of times. Tony Macklin, uh, brilliant, brilliant critic. Yeah. And it's nice to always mention him. Yeah. Uh, So, but I I would like to watch The Fastest Guitar Alive one day. Of those three, that would have been the one I would have picked. What would you have picked if we had gone that way? I don't know. I mean, I think
0: my issue again there was like, I don't really know. None of those are really all that notable. So, um, I don't know much about them. But uh, I think of those, I mean, Orbison is not known as an actor. And that's probably maybe would have been more interesting because he didn't do more. I mean, Sinatra, as you said, had a pretty decent size acting career and share and too. So to see Roy Orbison and how he worked as an actor might've been
1: interesting. Yeah, I think so. And also Sonny Bono, we know from the variety show could play comedy. So that would have been, you know, to see them on film might've been fun also. Yeah, maybe,
0: maybe eventually. So uh, as always, we asked our uh, wonderful listeners on social media, what movies from 1967 you were interested in. And we did talk about a lot of them. So, but in terms of movies that we didn't talk about, uh Scott David Johnson, Jason's a good friend and writing partner, had a lot of suggestions, uh including Casino Royale and The Dirty Dozen uh and To Sir With Love. He also mentioned Camelot, which was one of the stage to screen adaptations that we ended up not including in our choices. Why didn't we include that? Cuz it's 3 hours long That's and we didn't want to watch it. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but it's, you know, it's a notable musical. Uh, He also mentioned uh, The Good, the Bad and the Ugly, which, of course, is an iconic Western and Merit Sad, another state adaptation about the Marquis de Sad that I was not familiar with at all. But um, that's I bet it's spicy, though. And uh, no, his his list went on. (laughs) Um, He also researched Thoroughly Modern Millie, another musical. And uh, and Valley of the Dolls. And a few others, too, there. He really loaded us up
1: he with did He did it. He Joe Blacked us. Yeah.
0: He did. We didn't get anything from Joe Black this time.
1: Usually Joe's the guy who just mentions every movie of the year.
0: The uh, Citizen Kane versus podcast, thank you, on Twitter suggested Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Uh, our good friend Victoria Ribeiro suggested Valley of the Dolls. And that totally seems like a movie that Victoria would enjoy. Uh, Greg Carson also Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. And uh, another dedicated listener, uh, Ian Zeitzer, likes in like Flint. So yeah, Ian Zeitzer. Ian Zeitzer. Sorry, Ian. So thank you to everyone for your suggestions. And and again, a lot that we, we kind of mentioned and others that we covered that I didn't bring up there. But uh, hopefully
1: we uh, offer people some interesting stuff from this year. Yep. And at some point in the future, we might get back to one or two of them. But... Not next season, Josh.
0: Well, Jason, do you want to give our listeners uh, the announcement
1: of what we're going to do next season? Next season is actually the reason we started Awesome Movie Year, if you want the truth. Uh, many regard it as the greatest movie year of all time. That's that's also true, right? We're going to do it. With, the reason we held off this long is because I think it's been covered in other podcasts. Literally, there's a podcast that covers every movie that was ever made in this year we're going to do it in our way. It's awesome movie year 1999 for season nine. And we're going to start off, as always, with the box office
0: champ. Although, as we've done a couple of times, we're actually going to look at the number two movie at the box office. So
1: what is going to be our first episode? It's going to be The Sixth Sense, which, of course, does not have a catchphrase that people repeated over and over again. M. Night Shyamalan, a controversial filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. So that's our 1967
0: season, uh, and that's this episode of Awesome Movie Year. Uh, check us out on social media.
1: Do it, AwesomeMovieYear.com. awesomemovieyear on Facebook and Instagram, awesomemoviepod on Twitter, JasonHarrisComedy.com dot com is not a website that <laughs> I own, but you still own Jason Harris Comedy uh, on Facebook and Instagram, Jay Harris Comedy on Twitter. Go for Jason. That's a website I should also give up. My website,
0: also (laughs) barely hanging on, joshbellhateseverything.com. Josh Bell Hates Everything on Facebook and Signal Bleed on Twitter and listen to our producer, David Rosen's awesome podcast, Piecing It Together.
2: Check out Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media at Piecing Pod. Join that Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And don't forget about the Patreon produced by David Rosen with bonus content from Piecing It Together, awesome movie year, and my music career. Uh, Not Food and Loathing, my other podcast about the food scene. But I just wanted to plug that. Dave, can we see the new movie that you made anywhere? Not yet, but... As soon as we can, you guys will be the first to know about it. All right.
0: Yeah. So as we said, check out the Patreon
1: for our bonus episode on You Only Live Twice. And tune in next 1999. time. 1999. We're, so, we're going to party like it's 1999. I think of every season. We're, we're all very excited for this season coming up.
0: We are. And we hope you are, too. So tune in next time for The Sixth Sense. And thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year.
2: Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts.
0: An All Points West production produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.